Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, honey, if you don't love a four-day week like I do, I love a four-day week um, because we had yesterday off. It is Ryan. Let's go there with Sheer and Ryan. Sheer is out, though. And we got the one and only Sharjah Cell filling in. Hello, hello. And there is a reason why we're playing Martin in the background. Yes, there is. Producer Justin surprised me with this music bed, well, by the way. Well, producer Justin knows how to do the surprises. But I yes, I, I interviewed the cast of Martin, the sitcom, on Saturday. It was Tashina Arnold, Tisha Campbell, Carl Anthony Payne, and Martin Lawrence. Yeah. And we were in his living room of his apartment in Detroit. If you're familiar with the show, then you know. Um, and it was great. It was great. It was nerve-wracking. I talked to you yesterday, Ryan, off-air. We had kitchen table talk about the experience. <laughs> but everyone was great, and it was. I've gotten hit up, hit up by a few publications and local news. Like, can we use your picture? Because I did tweet a picture. If you go through my I media mean, on Twitter, I mean, it's going viral. It is everywhere. But I'm not going to post it till Instagram until I get my interview, so I can post, you know, like a clip. Oh, yes. A carousel. That makes sense. You got to think about it. You, you know? had quite the weekend, too, Casey Musgraves. Oh, my goodness. Well, one, Friday was not. Friday night was a date, which went well, cute. And then um, Saturday I did nothing because I didn't want to. I just kind of cleaned around the house. Sunday, though, was Casey the Musgraves at the Crypto.com Arena, um, which feels disgusting coming out of my mouth. I'd rather just say Staples Center. Honestly. (laughs) And Good Morning America just ran a story about love scams that are going on there. I watched it. um, I watched a Today Show did one about uh, romance scams. Yeah. Good Morning America did, too. (laughs) I know you're a Today Show girl. Yeah. I'm a GMA girl. So, yeah, <laughs> we watched the same segment with different outlets. different hosts yes. talking about it differently. Well, um, Casey Musgrave was absolutely wonderful. I I was, like, not sure what I was going to walk into because I've always been a fan, but I just wasn't same. sure what type of show she was going to give. And when I tell you, the... The buyer, the bar is up high, and she most definitely went and succeeded over it. She gives a That's great good. show. She sold out the this uh, the arena, which is like huge. Uh huh. And yeah, I would see her again and, in, and in you a know heartbeat. What? That's good to know, Ryan, because I'm a Casey Musgraves fan too. Even though she gives me a lazy vocal on her album, so it's nice <laughs> to know that she keeps you awake during the show. Well, let me tell you, she doesn't give a lazy vocal in person. The mic was on, and she was singing the house down. Love that. And so was the um the Casey Musgraves fans you know sometimes when you're in the arena you hear everyone singing yeah i gotta tell you the the casey muskies fans were harmonizing like it was a gospel church what are they called the muskies are, i hope they're not called anything <laughs> musky I mean, that's great. The, gra- just, the graves? <laughs> that may 
maybe. I don't know. But either way, it was a very, very great weekend. I'm happy to be back with you. And of course, you'll be here for the next couple of days, right? Well, I'll be here today, tomorrow. Shira will be here Thursday. And then Shira and I together on Friday. Oh, I'm here on Friday, too. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, because oh, Sheer and I are, are playing yeah, 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 musical right. chairs at this point. Well, either way, let's get into the show. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Okay, so top of the hour news. Actually, what's happening on th- today's show? I know you're asking. Drag Race has another queen making a revealing announcement, but is it the best thing for drag in the trans community? And, of course, it's 2022, the year where ambition has died. We discuss with one of our favorites on how to get that drive back. And, of course, in 30 minutes, Florida don't say good. Um, the Don't Say Gay bill was absolutely horrible and somehow it's gotten worse. But good news, it's possibly coming. Well, we have the Equality Florida's uh, CEO joining us for that conversation. But right now, let's talk about what's trending. All right, so the American Civil Liberties Union of Missouri filed a lawsuit on Tuesday for parents of two um, Winsdale, or Wins. What, what is it, like Wentzville School District students mm-hmm. to prevent the removal of books about LGBTQ plus people, people of color, and other marginalized groups. Uh, these books were banned, a uh, quote, because of officials' dislike of the ideas contained in the banned books and with the intent and purpose to prescribe what is generally or traditionally accepted as right or true in matters of opinion, according to the ACLU of Missouri's lawsuit. The group says in the lawsuit that the First Amendment rights of the students were violated by suppressing the, quote, ideas and viewpoints expressed uh, in the books. And, I mean, we are most heavily seeing this happen around the country, of course, and I'm happy that the ACLU you all the ACLUs around the country are doing something and fighting these school districts who are really trying to rewrite history or just like erase just people's They're experiences really trying to, and yes, disability. Yes, Like it's that's scary. really what it is. We're in some scary times. Yeah, we really are. Um, up next though, we have a daycare teacher in Massachusetts has been fired after she made young children wear blackface masks for Black History Month. Holy God. And the daycare has temporarily shut down <laughs> out of fear of protests. Oh, I wonder what black people's faces they were wearing was like one a, a, a Harriet Tubman the other was a Rosa now you know they weren't that complex she probably reached into a little a black paint a tar bin and and made it a, a minstrel tar show bin? yes and made it a, a minstrel tar show bin. and made oh, it a minstrel show I see kids <laughs> This daycare posted an apology letter on its front door after it got attention on social media when a teacher had kids make black face masks to learn about Black History Month on February 8th. What are these teachers smoking? You know, this honestly feels as cringe. Oh, they don't even look. Oh, my God. I'm actually looking. They are literal black marker Ex- exactly. on paper. Exactly. And on like pa- uh, paper plates. Uh-huh. And they it's just a white. Yeah, the- <laughs> They cut the eyes in them. Exactly. Traditional blackface minstrel show. Wow. I mean, one mother picked up her children at the school and learned what happened. She complained, pulled her kids out of the school and wrote about what happened on uh, social on social media, of course. They posted an apology on Facebook, but that apology drew criticism. The apology claimed that the school's leaders were, quote, hearing of protests happening at the center that will put the children and staff at risk. So they closed the school for safety concerns. Um, yeah, well, I don't know what uh, daycare or preschool this is, but I hope they stay closed. That is your What's Trending Top of the Hour news, always coming up on the hour every hour. But right now, let's get into the T-Report. Well. Oh, is this Wendy? We're doing Wendy? Okay, well, we'll, we'll do Wendy the next hour. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Euphoria. I'm going to oh, talk okay. about Barbie. Oh, 
Oh, okay. Okay, All so right. now this is according to the Daily Beast, who isn't always known for their accuracy, but it's being reported that Barbie, Barbie Fiera, who pl- plays Cat, walked off set multiple times. Now, it's no yeah. secret that she's been getting into it with Sam. Yeah. You know, and Those so according to reports, she's upset that her character's first season storylines about body positivity and self-discovery have been shelved for relationship drama and new this new vindictive version of herself. Now, Ryan, you and I both watched the show. We're both big fans of her character, Kat. Right. What do you think this means? We got one episode left, which is this upcoming Sunday, the season two finale. What do you think this means for the future of Kat's character? Because we, we stand for her season one. She's had like four lines this entire yeah, season. It's actually really sad to see the ball be dropped so hard because it it sucked because mid-season we got this really amazing scene that was well thought out uh, with Kat involved and, and kind of her um, what she deals with when it comes to body positivity and the internet and all the messages that come God, with it. That right? got to me. That was such a powerful moment and yeah. then after that it's like the ship and the, the, the flight was just going downhill and just ending in a, in a dumpster fire. They and it's said, just not good anymore. Twitter said it, Lexi even cut Barbie's parts from her play. Yeah. <laughs> cut cut Kat's parts from her play. That's actually hilarious. We're talking about that a little bit more um, later on in the show, which we can touch back onto this whole situation that's going on. Because Euphoria has the whole internet talking. So that means, of course, uh-huh. we have to talk about here. But that is your T-Report. We're going to keep this show going. Let's chat about literally what's happening in the Ukraine. Putin has become... Uh, began his invasion of Ukraine, or has he? What is going on and why the president is careful around the wording of this aggression? Next up, coming in about seven minutes. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. So let's begin to, uh, so I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014. And if Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further as with sanctions. All right, that was President Biden announcing the sanctions against Russia. That has the world asking, did Russia just invade Ukraine and are we on the brink of war? Well, joining us for this conversation is Jonathan Geyer, senior foreign policy writer at Vox.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. Okay, so my thing is, are these sanctions really going to change Putin's mind on this? I mean, this seems like the last thing he cares about. Well, sanctions are definitely a way that's been, you know, a weapon of war that is everything short of war. And I think the tranche of sanctions that Biden announced this afternoon are a start, but they don't want to do everything at once because the whole idea is to deter Putin's behavior. So, you know, they are keeping some options open, but obviously sanctions alone are not going to be the thing that stops Russian aggression in Ukraine. Yeah. So walk us through the why it seems like Putin is now all of a sudden, it appears, going after Ukraine in the way in which he is. So this is, you know, a super complex conflict that's been building up for months and months and really for decades and and you know, really goes to the heart of how Russia sees itself in Europe and the world and what Biden and the U.S. want to do as, as a 21st century superpower. But we've seen troops, you know, building and building Russian troops on the borders of Ukraine. And yesterday, Monday, there was an incursion into the eastern provinces near what's called Donbass. And, and I think experts were asking, 
Is this an invasion? Is this what we were all waiting for? And it's not totally clear the extent of the invasion yet, in part because Russia has had a presence in these uh, in in these provinces for about eight years through proxies and, and pro-Russian separatist movements. So it's totally murky. And even yesterday, the Biden administration was being careful to not totally call it an invasion. Today, they're calling it the beginning of an invasion. Mm. And what the beginning of an invasion means is that the White House is trying to figure out the beginning of their response. If you're just now joining us, we're talking with Jonathan Geyer, the senior foreign policy writer at Vox.com. And what's interesting is Putin actually delivered a combative hour-long speech on Ukraine, which essentially just connected everything and what we should probably know about NATO, which I wonder, is there something historically that we're missing? Is, is Putin trying to tell us something through the historical kind of connections that we probably just don't know about? Exactly. So, so Ukraine is a is a former Soviet republic. Obviously, the Soviet Union fell apart in the '90s, and uh, with that, it's really changed Russia's position in the world. Russia was this great superpower, kind of this imperial nuclear armed force in the world. All of those Cold War conflicts kind of change in the '90s, and in the 2000s, Putin comes to power and. A lot of people say he's trying to regain that authority that Russia used to have in the world. And one way he's doing that is by kind of inching into these former Soviet republics. Mm. Uh, he did that in Georgia. He invaded Ukraine in, in 2014. And now we're seeing him assert himself again. You know, Putin, he's 69. He's not exactly an elected democratic leader, and he's trying to shore up his legacy and I think one way he's trying to do that is through aggression on the world stage. So mm. so what exactly does this mean? Like, how will this either directly or indirectly and indirectly affect the United States? This is absolutely the question to be asking. I think there are so many potential effects of, of a war, what could be the biggest war in Europe in our lifetime. And, and we don't know exactly wow. how it's going to play out, but definitely... Russia is a is a major energy power. So oil and gas prices could really rise. It, if these sanctions are as intense as the Biden administration wants them to be against Russia, you know, this could affect the inflation that we're all feeling and affect European economies directly or indirectly. But let's be honest, it's the human cost that's most troubling. And mm -hmm. Most people don't know, but 14,000 people have died in Ukraine since the 2014 invasion. There is this kind of simmering civil war that's been happening, but that could get a lot worse if you have tens of thousands. Basically, some numbers say 190,000 Russian troops moving into invade. We don't know yet, but it's that human cost in Europe, which is obviously so close to the United States on so many levels that would really have wide-ranging effects. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate you breaking this all down. Once again, this was Jonathan Geyer, Senior Foreign Policy Writer at Vox.com. Thank you. All right, well, coming up next, Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill was horrible and has somehow gotten worse. The Equality of Florida CEO is joining us up next for that. Don't go anywhere. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, before it was recently withdrawn because there was like a breaking news update about what we're about to talk about like minutes before we just did this segment. Like, oh, yeah. This. But before it was recently withdrawn, there was a new amendment to the Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill that would require schools to inform parents of their children's sexual orientations within six weeks of learning the student isn't straight. I mean, so basically you want everyone to just out these children in, in ways that could be very harmful and just potentially we dangerous. Should. We should also note that this affects gender as well. Yes, if the it, child were yes. to identify as as a, a, a gender that they were not assigned at birth, yeah. this falls under that umbrella as well. So the fact that this has gotten worse when it was already horrible, um, well, I'm so happy we have our guest here, Nadine Smith, the co-founder and CEO of Equality Florida. Thank you so much for joining us to break all of this down. Absolutely. Thank you for continuing to draw attention to this because... While it's happening in Florida, it is not unique. And if they pass it here, we will see it snowball all mm-hmm. across the country. This is part yeah. of a, a larger Republican strategy of censorship and surveillance and intimidation. And yeah. 
the erasing of history. Well, yeah, Nadine, we're not out of the woods here yet. And I mean, this obviously just keeps getting worse and worse. But could you tell us about where did this new part of this amendment, even though it's withdrawn now, where did this new part of the amendment kind of come from? It feels like what else are they going to add to this plane? <laughs> it's at this like, point? wasn't it good enough the first go round? Yeah. And I'm using good enough in air quotes. You know? Well, I mean, we should be very clear about this. They have signaled their willingness to intentionally put the safety and, in fact, the lives of LGBTQ young people in danger. That's what that amendment was all about. And the fact that there was enough pressure for them to remove it doesn't mean that it went into the trash. It could be sitting in a pocket right now waiting for another moment um, you know, when there's no opportunity for public comment to come back. So we have to remain vigilant. But it does say, and I think everybody who has resp- you know, sent an email, made a phone call, circulated our ads uh, that you can check out at freetosaygay.org. Freetosaygay.org not only shows you the 30-second uh, television spots we've been running, but also it gives you some actions that you can take no matter where you are uh, to register that that this is not okay, that you're saying no to censorship, book banning, silencing, stigmatizing, and erasing the existence of LGBTQ people. We actually played that ad here on um, on our show because we we wanted to really draw more attention to it. We felt like it was very important. I'm noticing this is so on the nose, right? I noticed that a lot of Republican strategy just across the board is to conquer and dominate local elections. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't pay attention to local elections, yep. so things can slide under the rug in, in that way. Um, I know that the Don't Say Gay bill uh, is aimed more so towards elementary-aged kids, like elementary school, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Well, that's, this, is what I, this is why it's so important that we are on the ground in Tallahassee, Equality Florida. We have a team there. Uh, that not only is meeting face-to-face with lawmakers, but reading every single comma, every single mm-hmm. part of these bills, because they're trying to pull a fast one. They're using the word or. So first they said primary school, which isn't defined, and some were saying K through 3, K through 5, K through 8. But this is what happens when you take right-wing talking points and paste them into legislation. Um, it doesn't conform to your own state. And so they've had to go back and define it. But because they say, or, what it really means is um, anything that somebody at the Department of Education deems age-inappropriate. So, and that's so subjective. <laughs> exactly. And here is a department that, was, that either chose uh, by themselves or were directed to and complied, took down every single bit of anti-bullying resource if it was specifically for LGBTQ young people. So we have no confidence that this is an agency capable of determining age appropriateness beyond a lens that is inherently anti-LGBTQ. Nadine Smith, I'm so happy that you're here with us, co-founder and CEO of Equality Florida, um, because you are really helping us break this down and understand the severity of this. Because I, I think I'm I'm happy that you all are there reading every comma, period, dot, all that stuff, because it just feels like even though you're doing that, should we as people, should, you know, queer kids that are are going through this, queer folks, trans folks going through this in Florida, how do they find the hope in this situation? That's that's my concern, right? Because if you could just continue to hear that everyone around you hates you for you just being who you are, how do you find the hope in knowing that this, you know, isn't going to to impact your life 
in the ways that could be really dangerous. Especially when we keep pumping, it gets better, it gets better. Exactly. There's a whole campaign dedicated to it. Well, I've got two responses to that. One reason is if you look at who is rallying in support of this bill and who's rallying against it, overwhelmingly the people are opposed to it. Parents are opposed to it. Students are opposed to it. Teachers are opposed to it. The general public sees this censorship and surveillance, and they're opposed to it. But it's being driven by Republican pollsters who have told Ron DeSantis that he has to check this box in order to outflank Donald Trump to the right and secure the loyalty of their shared base for the Republican presidential primary. So that's the only reason these bills exist. They are part of a a strategy to appeal to the, the most extreme wing of the Republican Party. It's all about Republican presidential primary politics. So yeah. that's what's driving it. it. It is not emerging because of an issue that is actually being addressed in schools. Right. So once, once you understand that, uh, you understand that what is happening in this moment is overwhelmingly the public is showing up to say this is wrong. Parents are organizing like never before. And honestly, students are organizing on their own campuses. They're starting banned book clubs. They're, they're pushing back. They're organizing among themselves. And I think these politicians are going to find out that there are students right now who aren't of age to vote, mm-hmm. who are being pulled into the political system because of this attack on their most basic rights. And it's not just LGBTQ students that are showing up. They understand that when you start banning books, when you start banning ideas, when you start surveilling and monitoring conversations between teachers and students, yeah. all of that and is antithetical to a democracy. So, Nadine, thank you so much for joining us. And we have about 10 seconds here. Can you just give someone like a website, listeners here, so if they want to get involved and help where they can, they can find out everything they need to know? Absolutely. Free to say gay.org. And then follow us on Twitter at Equality Florida and on Instagram and on TikTok. We're everywhere. But we need you right now. Please share the commercials. Yeah. Um, chip in if you can to keep those commercials going and understand that this isn't just a fight for Florida. It's a nationwide fight and we need everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for the work that you're doing. That was Nadine Smith, yes, the co-founder and CEO of Equality Florida. All right. We have more show coming up next. Do not go anywhere because unfortunately we have to talk about Donald Trump's and his Twitter clone. Yep. That's coming up next. Now, over a year after being kicked off of Twitter and Facebook, Donald Trump is finally back on social media, on the Truth Social platform he launched, which, honestly, who cares? And no one else does, clearly, because... The whole thing is a complete mess, according to Vice.com. The problem here is that very few people will even be able to see what he's saying, according um, to this article. Oh, my God. I have, like, an ad that just popped up while I was trying to. Well, it says Truth (laughs) Truth Social was launched literally yesterday morning on President's Day, ironically. Which, of course. To coincide with, of course, all of that that was going on. But it appears that the developers of the platform still have a lot of work to do. Which, here's the thing. I don't even understand why, especially when you're when you're thinking about like truth and him thinking and him thinking literally the only thing he has to offer, like everything he's coming out of his mouth is the truth. Mm-hmm. It's really ironic that all of this is connected. Well, his followers have lifted him to a demigod, so they're just affirming that he's surrounded by yes men. And he has a CEO, like a new Anyone? CEO, Devin Nunes. Yeah, former congressman who was uh, harassed uh, online uh, on Twitter because of uh, his cow. 
Yeah. It's cow. Wait, there was, a, there was a there was a common um, there was a par- parody account called Devin Nunes's cow who just harassed all of the you know hip- hypocrisy that Devin Nunes used to spout. <laughs> he, no. So much so that he sued him and he lost. Now, see, yeah. if that were me, it would have been... He lost against a cow. He lost against the cow, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so a heifer took De- Devin Nunes <laughs> down. That's so, nice to know. Well, if you didn't know, he's the new CEO of uh, Truth. And uh, here is what he has to say about this whole involvement and the things that's going on. So as we continue to build this, uh, I fully expect us to be... when I Because I want when I say it's open, I want it to actually be open. People can just... Anybody in America can go on there, log on, and get their, and get their account. Uh, so we're going to continue to build to that. Uh, every day we're adding people. So those people that signed up uh, first are, are going to get on the platform first because we had many people that signed up months ago. Right. And we're just going to continue to do that as time goes on, Dan. The president has been get very, very clear. I've been very clear. We want to be fully operational. I think that's the key word, fully operational uh, by the end of March. But it's not. It's not at all, actually. Um, it's You can't even really do anything on it. My People question, can't have access to my it. My question about this is when it does finally, I guess, begin working, Is there are there, will there be moderators? Who will be the no. moral compass? So it's going to be 8chan or 4chan or whatever the dark web is, yeah. just an app form on your phone. So here's the thing. I signed up for Gitter, the other... Uh, oh, is that what Brian from Backstreet Boys was on when they busted him? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. You know, they busted one of the Backstreet Boys for being a part so of all Gitter, that. You know, Gitter is the other like super like uh, conservative leaning uh, platform, and I was like, I really want to know what goes on on this app. And so I was, you know, I put on my journalism hat. You signed up um, to be gaslit, and I signed up for it. And um, I think my my uh, name was like, "Can you handle the truth?" or something like that. I tried to, you know. So I'm, I'm thinking you got a lot of followers off of that. I mean, you just never know. But then I started to like search certain things, and the racism is wild. I mean, pure surprise, on hard surprise. ER on the end of the N word on that on that app. Surprise, and it's, surprise. And you know, like there's millions of people who are following, like you know, um, Margaret. Uh, what's Marjorie her name? Taylor. Yeah, Mar- yeah, and then like Not Donald Margaret. Trump. I don't, I don't, I, honestly, I don't it's even care irrelevant. what her name is. Yes. I call her Muppet. <laughs> like that's I try to stay so disconnected from it where, you know, if these people want to kind of create their own echo chambers, they're already doing that. If that gets them off of like the platforms that the rest of the world are using and trying to actually But just because like, we don't see it don't doesn't mean that we can ignore the underbelly of hatred that's brewing. No, that's not true. Because then they I, can I mean, catch us by surprise. This nation is just so far off the Another tracks. Another January 6th? Or worse. Yeah. Oh, you God, never know. Please. I don't need anything else to, to come on board but let us know what your thoughts are we got more show coming up top of the hour of course and find out uh, there's a new host in town for the wendy williams show how you doing mm-hmm. coming up in the t report up next Welcome back as this show keeps going on and on. Welcome to Let's Go There. If you're just now joining us, I'm Ryan. And uh, with me normally is Sheer Lazar, who is out. Um, but we'll be back in a couple of days. But right now we have the next best thing, Char Jocel. Thank you so oh, much yes. for joining me. Oh, yes. Hi, Ryan. Feels good. I know. I love I love always having you on. And you are our new wonderful Friday added mic situation. TGIS with Char. Char Jocel Navarro. Yes. On, only on Fridays. <laughs> I'm just charge yourself today. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, <laughs> coming up this uh, hour, there's a lot to expect, so get ready. It's 2022, the year where ambition has died. We discuss with one of our favorites on how to get that drive back. And coming up in 10 minutes, rents are insanely high across the country. Is there an end in sight? Maybe it's where the ambition is, because um, I would lose my ambition if my rent just continued to increase. 
streets in the ways that it is. I was like, oh, I, I should mention, Woo! you know, Ryan, that I, had, I have a rent increase starting March 1st. Oh, God. I got the letter in the mail. Uh, I think they gave me like a month. I got it like January 28th. I got oh, okay, the so we're really about to have a great conversation coming up uh-huh. next. Then. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, let's uh, talk about what's uh, trending right now. Let's get right into it. So the Supreme Court said Tuesday it will decide whether certain businesses with religious ob- uh, objections can refuse to offer their services for same-sex weddings, a question it has consistently ducked um, since its landmarked gay marriage ruling in 2015. The case involves a Colorado website designer, Lori Smith, who planned to expand her business to serve couples getting married. Because of her religious convictions, she wanted to post a statement on her site to say that she would not offer her services for same-sex weddings. Honestly, thank you for posting. If you want to post it, post it so I know not to give you my business. Um, But uh, I also wonder about those states. You know, like in certain states where it's like, oh, it's legal to marry your favorite horse or a dog. Or your cousin. Or your cousin. Is she providing services probably, like for yeah, that? she's probably so down for the cousin. <laughs> um, but a federal appeals court ruled that her refusal on her uh, proposed statement would violate Colorado's anti-discrimination law. In a brief order, the Supreme Court said it would take up the case to consider, quote, whether applying a public accommodation law to com- compel an artist to speak or stay silent violates the free speech clause of the First Amendment. The court will hear the case in its next turn, which begins in October. Um, next, uh, Rep- Representative Vicki Hartzler, um, who is a Republican out of Missouri, just finished a new ad attacking University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thompson for being trans um, as Hartzler basically mounts her Senate campaign. Here is the ad. Meet William Thomas, ranked number 462 in men's swimming. Meet Leah Thomas, ranked number one in women's swimming. Only one problem. It's the same person. Some people are afraid to talk about it, not me. I'm Vicki Hartzler. I ran and coached girls track, and I won't look away while woke liberals destroy women's sports. Women's sports are for women, not men pretending to be women. I'm Vicki Hartzler. I approve this message. First of all, I hate the name Vicki. Second of all, why must every waking moment I navigate this hellhole, must I be exposed to some degree of transphobia? Yeah, because whoever's writing the story of this world not only wants us to go through a pandemic, but then also wants marginalized communities to even go through it even more. I just, I do not understand it. And I understand that it's a lot of complexities around the conversation about sports and trans people, which... Well, science actually has broken a lot of those complexities down to just being what's fact and what's not fact. Yeah, yeah. And so if you really want the answers, scientists have done studies on it that actually a lot of these, uh, these sports leagues are actually pulling from mm-hmm. to determine on who plays where, and mm-hmm. they're all making the right decisions. It's Republicans who are extorting that and making this a bigger thing than it needs mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Attack of the trans people. Yep. Okay, so <laughs> I wanted you to be able to get to your T-report. Do we have a little time? Okay. okay. Um, oh, we- gosh, I didn't even realize the time. <laughs> Hit it, Justin! <laughs> Congratulations are in order for Sherry Shepard. Chicago's very own Sherry Shepard. I think she belongs to Chicago. It was announced that Sherry Shepard is headed to daytime TV this upcoming September as unfortunately reports are circulating that the Wendy Williams show will end this June. Sherry announced this morning. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. 
I am so excited because when I started in this business, I have always wanted to do a talk show. Even before I joined The View in 2007, when I was like three, I had a microphone and my teddy bears and a chair, and I just came out of my mother's womb talking. And 2007, I shot a pilot for a talk show in 2004 that never saw the light of day. And about four years ago, I started telling God, I said, Lord, I want a talk show. I want my own talk show. And you know how God works, turning your neighbor on your right and say, won't he do it? <laughs> turning a neighbor on your left and say, won't he will? There we go. I have to say, when she said, I want my own talk show, it sounded like Angela Bassett and What's Love Got to Do With It. Like, I can have everything but my name. My name is my name. <laughs> See, I got um, Jennifer Hudson in Sex and the City. My very own Louis Vuitton. Well, have you seen What's Love Got to Do With It? Okay, but moving on. Um, First of all. Moving on. <laughs> no, I haven't. Congratulations to Sherry Shepard. The show will not follow the same format as the Wendy Williams show, and I need Wendy to... My girl, we can't go out like this. I need Wendy to, in some way, shape, form, manifestation to come back to at least close out her show in a proper way and get her roses. Just give Shar the exclusive on our Sundays with Shar on Instagram. Oh my gosh. But congratulations wonderful. to Sherry Shepard. I'm anticipating to see what, what Debmar Mercury, who also produces the Wendy Williams show, has in store for her this upcoming fall. That's right. the T Report for this hour. Well, we're going to keep this party going, of course. And honey, rents are insanely high across the country. Is there even an end in sight? That is coming up in 10 minutes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. So in the 50 largest U.S. metro areas, median rent rose an astounding 19.3% from December 2020 to December 2021, according to a Realtor.com analysis of properties with two or fewer bedrooms. Now, rising rents are an increasing driver of high inflation that has become one of the nation's top economic problems. So let's talk about how this is really just impacting us, because, I mean, we are, you know renters and i and we live in a a, a very expensive metropolitan uh, city oh gosh yes and so i i wonder and you kind of alluded to this before we got into this a little bit earlier in this hour how is this impacting you well i i want to start off by saying i think it's interesting because you just read something that and and you said that this is directly affecting units that are two bedrooms or less and yeah. i wonder what are the politics around that right because you know single childless people also pay more in taxes yes, and get fewer, less returns. But um, like, for example, I, I enjoy my apartment. I've been there for a majority of my time here in L.A. I've been in L.A. for eight years. I've been in that apartment for five of the eight. And 
They just sent me a letter. Granted, my apartment could use a tune-up. Kitty could use a little tune-up. I mean, a little nice little renovation. And I do enjoy it. I live in a very nice neighborhood on a main street. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. It's, you know, it's great for safety and things like that. I don't have to be in the shadows of a side street and I enjoy, <laughs> you know, there's some commotion on my street. Sometimes. Like, it's fun. You know, yeah. it's a good place. It's a good prime real estate place to live. But like I said, Kitty could use a tune-up. So I find it interesting that they're going up on my rent yet again and, and, there's been nothing like my kitchen. I would like some upgrades, yeah. shower. It's also interesting given that we're still in a pandemic and people are still hanging on by a thread. You know, I always tell you with respect to the to the to the art of journalism or the the work of journalism, my rate went down in 2020 as a yeah. result of the pandemic and it has not gone back up. So in 2019, where I could work three jobs and be okay, now I find myself working seven to 10. Mm. So I find that interesting, like, you know, like that rate hasn't gone back up, but the rent is going up. Gas is going up. Parking garages are going up. And it's yeah. like, what what will ultimately break that ceiling? And I always like to pick the brain of producer Justin. Yeah. What I, I mean, you're a parent, you're married. How has this impacted you? I'm not sure. You pay rent, obviously. Uh, we actually own. Oh, okay. I was wondering but if you were property taxes. taxes. The property tax? Our property taxes almost doubled because of what we had to do. Yeah. Wow. Because we refinanced and we, we uh, you know, tried to take advantage of the lower, you know, uh, interest rates. We ended up having to pay a whole lot more in property taxes because they had to reassess. And now, you know, coming all this way, I, I do drive a fair amount for work. And the gas prices are just a little bit steep. I mean, they're almost a little bit. It's I wild. I mean, gas at a gallon is like what? It can be go from four dollars to five dollars, yeah. yeah, depending on where you're at. And yeah. we may be not, not even seeing the top of it if you heard uh, Biden earlier today during his Ukraine remarks, yeah. because of all the pipeline nonsense. So, you know, with all this talk of inflation and talk of, you know, our our rents rising, our all of our prices rising. It, it's a lot harder to live, and you, we just need to find you know ways to make our lives work better. Whether it be more flexibility where mm. where we work, how we work, and you know just kind of having that flexibility with our employers and saying, hey, you know, either raise our rent or I mean raise our pay, raise be able to f- fix well, those benefits, or you know try to find other ways to that do, do that. That was my next question, right? Because it does feel like. With everything happening, I mean, this is happening in the middle of the Great Resignation, mm-hmm. where you would think, oh, there's tons of jobs available, or you know, uh, maybe companies are seeing that this is happening and they want to help get, you know, more make their these positions a little bit more like, oh, come work for us so we can pay you. But it seems like there's still a disconnect there, right, from paying people the 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 rates that match the cost of living as mm-hmm. it's increasing. So, what do we think about kind of that in that in that sense? Like, how is that really? It's like one can't happen without the other, you know? No, and especially given the rate that uh, L.A. with people experiencing homelessness and houselessness oh yes. continues to yeah. skyrocket. Yeah. I, I really don't know what to speak to of, of that disconnect or what needs to happen. Yeah. But something's going to have to happen because we're reaching a fever pitch here. You know, one of my friends, I was talking with them about this this past weekend, and they brought up an, an amazing fact. And I, I want to hammer this home because it was absolutely amazing when he brought it up. And it's you take a look at a company here in Lo- in Los Angeles in Southern California, In and Out. They pay their workers extremely well. They have great benefits. You don't see them having a hiring issue. They don't have a hiring issue at all. No, and they good, lines be good, around the block. Exactly, and good companies that Disgusting are paying their food. companies well. <laughs> That, that's that's to be uh, I, I debated. Lo- I love a good in and out. Absolutely, burger. me too. Because you've been programmed to. It's <laughs> disgusting. It's trash. 
Shar, how dare you? You better go to what a shake What a way to shed. ruin such a beautiful moment. Okay, despite sorry, the food. Sorry, despite Justin. The food. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The, the great way that they pay their workers and all the benefits and all the pay, yeah. they don't have a hiring issue. People that are doing it right and you know treating their employees right are not having a hiring issue right now. Yeah. That should be a, a telltale sign for those that have those hiring issues. Maybe you're doing something wrong. Well, all right. I like this conversation. We're going to keep the conversation going. Of course, you can get involved at LGT Show on social media. Um, but right now, let's talk about the age of anti-ambition, which honestly, this stuff is a reason why our ambition is going out the window. We have Dr. Milo Dobson joining us up next. You know, essential or non-essential, remote or in-person, almost no one I know likes work very much at this moment. Uh, So it's not surprising to see reports about everyone being in the age of anti-ambition. So how did we get here? And is it really a bad thing? Joining us uh, for this conversation is Dr. Milo Dobson, a psychotherapist who is just absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So the reason why I pose the question, is it really a bad thing that we're in this age of anti-ambition is because it feels like we needed to get here to kind of really re-examine why we're feeling all collectively this this moment of, I don't even know if we can define it as burnout or just, but just not feeling excited to do what we may love to do or even what we kind of don't want to do. So I guess, how should we really be thinking about this in terms of, you know, how do we get here? Yeah, I'd I'd love that we're talking about this, to be honest, because for so long now we've been hearing about this great resignation. And now as this article is you're pointing out here, Ryan, that the anti age of anti ambition, what this is actually really about is people taking a second to breathe and having the audacity to ask ourselves, what brings me joy? Right? Where we are now at this point where we're working to live and not living to work. So we have this audacious notion that, man, you know what? I kind of deserve to have job satisfaction. I deserve to be paid what I'm worth. And so I don't know if it's really as much about anti-ambition as it is about pro-joy and pro-self-satisfaction. Yeah. Um, hey, it's Shar, by the way, Milo. Um, I hey. I'm someone who Ryan knows this. I said I've been experiencing apathy literally from September up until recently. Yeah. It hasn't been sadness. Sure. It hasn't been depression. It's just been this overall feeling of joylessness. Would you say how would you say classism and or privilege contributes to this conversation? Because what we can't acknowledge What we have to acknowledge, rather, is that not everyone has the privilege to have this entrepreneurial spirit or participate in the Great Resignation because people have bills to pay. We just wrapped up a segment on, you know, the rent, how the rent is going through the roof. So how does classism and or privilege play a role into a lot of the decisions that people are making? Well, I think it has a huge role, and it's actually the greater framework of of what we're talking about, because if you think of it, now people, people who have the opportunity or the, the real word that we're looking for here, the privilege to ask ourselves what brings us joy or happiness, most of the working world, and not even, again, the country, but the world, doesn't have the privilege to think about job satisfaction. To work is to pay the bills, point blank, period. So it's necessary on, for us who, who do have the privilege, myself included, to recognize, to recognize a privilege and saying like, okay, 
um, this is informing this decision. And for other people who may not have this privilege, the encouragement that I would offer is that our lives are not defined by our jobs and to really, really normalize and validate the apathy that everyone's experiencing because it's a lot to continue to navigate a pandemic while still trying to pay these astronomical rent bills and utility bills and everything else. So I I think what this really comes down to is owning our privilege and normalizing and validating people's pain to create more listening spaces. Yeah, I I appreciate that. Um, Dr. Milo Dobson is here with us talking, you know, this new age of anti-ambition. And I I think what's really interesting is where does the accountability fall on these companies that are employing folks and kind of burning them out, right? Because I I do feel like we, all of these things of privileges and, and, uh, you know, classism kind of all play into this, obviously, right? But really, do we think that corporations, businesses, capitalism altogether is really going to understand the accountability that they have to take here if they're just ignoring everyone's a lack of uh, ambition right now or just the burnout feeling that we're all feeling. Sure. So, so the question of, do I think that companies and corporations are going to understand this right off the bat? Absolutely not. Do I think that it's in their best interest? Absolutely. Yes. The reason why I say that is because what I know from the psychological science is that when you focus on the person and the whole person, performance and productivity Mm -hmm. will naturally improve. So it's not just about saying, how do we get our employees to be more productive, but the C-level and chief executive officers of the world would be better off by asking themselves, hey, how do we get people to feel validated, to feel seen and valued in the workplace as full people? who will then be able to contribute more fully of themselves in the workplace Mm -hmm. because burnout is very, very real. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to feel this sense of uh, low personal accomplishment, we're going to feel emotional exhaustion. So again, the, the CEOs, the COOs, the C, every other letter under the sun, if you're listening right now, please value your People, not employees, value your people and recognize that you are in a position of power and privilege to even consider asking yourselves, well, how do we boost productivity? Woo, Dr. Milo Dobson, thank you so much for joining us. Always, you are so incredible. Yeah. Oh, man, thank you for, for the kind words. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, that's all I have for you are kind <laughs> words, uh, unless we off the phone and we talking about spicy things. <laughs> well, that, that'll, that'll, be another, that'll be another call, fam. That'll be another yeah. call. <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to keep this party going. We're actually switching gears here, doing something we haven't done, a euphoria like recap. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. There's a lot to discuss. Beyond ready. Coming up next. Welcome back, welcome back. As Charge Ossel filling in for Shira Lazar alongside the Slay God. I thought we were on KTLA. Ryan. <laughs> oh, please, cut me some slack, okay? I can't help it, it's okay? So, it's so funny watching Shar go from like being like personality to her news anchor voice. I can't help it. It's like you literally it. see it in real time. <laughs> well, let me hop into my, let me do my spiel. There much, we go. Much of this season of Euphoria has been undermined by a lack of structure and general uncertainty about, you know, what the story wants to tell. Mm -hmm. Now, you know we have just one episode left, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah. The season finale is this upcoming Sunday. But a lot of things that viewers and people I've 
seen online, we, we don't know how they're going to put a bow on this, but one of the primary talking points about this entire season has been revolving around a lot of the discussion around the queerness of the characters yeah. and how people... A lot of people have different aspects on on labels, as we should. You know, we've talked about yeah, this, Ryan, they, behind I mean, closed doors. As they should, I think, because we are living in such a world where uh, sexuality is fluid, and we want to, uh, everyone to reach that goal of fluidity, and not us like having the the negative tropes around it, or have giving the people ability to really find who they are when it comes to you know their experiences and what they enjoy I, you know i it's a it's a this show is really really interesting where it does most definitely step into some territory that can be viewed a little problematic um but yeah, I don't know. And does Sam write this himself? He is. Himself? He's like a Terry. He's like a Tyler Perry. Oh, that explains. So he a writes lot. it and directs it. He doesn't allow he anyone. He's a consultant to do it. in the room. Yeah. So let's hop into some of the complexities about this. What okay. say you? From Cal Jacobs to Nate Jacobs to Jules to Elliot to Rue. Yeah. So I think my main takeaway from the season is obviously we've seen Cal. If you are familiar with it, is the father of Nate. Um, and then Nate, obviously, who's kind of Nate is the villain of the show. We know that mm-hmm. it's very clear. Um, but his father, Cal, is someone who has been even toying with his own sexuality and and doing things behind the you know uh, behind closed doors that have been revealed and him even coming to terms in the way he's revealed himself um but i think the conversations that i found problematic have come from the audience and how they've interpreted nate specifically and how he identifies so a lot of people are saying that he's a closeted um, a closeted gay when I don't necessarily agree with that I don't think besides season one where we saw him have like you know penises in his phone yeah. and, and all that I think that was on a comparison level not a gay level and also for catfishing yeah and for catfishing, he was catfishing right? jewels. I think he's he's in a space where he is trying not to connect the dots to his father who he does not want to be like yes. but inherently has inherited some traits right yeah um, and so I think it's been a really problematic how we've seen Nate um, and people say that he's queer just because he may be in love with a trans woman or may be kind of experiencing homophobia. That's definitely something that I've noticed. I think his father is the picture perfect, uh, like the literal definition of uh, fluidity. Because even his exit speech when he walked down the steps, he, you know, said what he had to say. But I think that people do not realize the ways in which they are directly contributing to transphobia by calling Nate gay. If, if it's in relationship to his attraction to Jules. Yeah, it's very harmful. And I, I think we can talk about a lot of these like tropes and what it is. And also like, are we just erasing these complicated, nuanced experiences of people who actually go through these things in real life just because you want folks to be like a show to picture, have a picture perfect world? Yeah. That's not realistic. And we're actually going to touch on it a little bit more in depth tomorrow's show, yeah. which I'm very, very excited about. Um, so that was a quick little like tease about mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we got top of the hour, of course. And oh my God, our drag race recap coming up next. Okay, so that was just Coconuts. Kim Petras, you know, if you want to check out a really great interview that I did, uh, head over to the Odyssey YouTube channel or Odyssey on WeAreChannelQ.com where you can see me literally chat with Kim Petras and we talked all things about Coachella, this song in particular, and uh, so much more. So get into it. Right now, though, we have the rest of our show. The party does not stop. Sharjah is here with us, filling in for Sheer Lazar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you having a wonderful time? I am. I you am. better. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's a good time. They sounded a little sleepy over there. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, you're yelling at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's excitement, not yelling. Oh, okay, okay. Let's reframe that. You're right. Wow. Happy Black History Month. Black History Month, and I'm yelling at her. <laughs> yelling at a black woman. All right, well, coming up this hour, we are doing my favorite thing every Monday. Well, oh my God, it's not Monday, it's Tuesday. Normally, it's on Monday. It's our Drag Race recap where, honey, we are talking about another queen that made a revealing announcement, but is it the best thing for drag in the trans community? That is coming up. Difficult conversations always happening on the, t- oh my God. I'm on the tea report. report. Oh <laughs> now who's sleepy? You know, I, I, I don't know how many more matcha lattes I can drink, but it's not giving me energy anymore. Either way, let's dive into what's trending this hour because, honey, we got a lot to get into. Former residents and employees of Marsha's House, the New York City's only shelter dedicated to LGBTQ adults, are speaking out about years of abuse and sexual misconduct experienced at the hands of the shelter's security guards, as well as the former director. Um, Just trigger warning real quick if you're listening. Uh, NBC News reports that in a lawsuit, Mariah Lopez, a disabled transgender woman, accused former director of um, Marsha's House, uh, Caden Grinnell, of, quote, making sexual advances towards me and said the security guards um, basically were, quote, constantly harassing me verbally, calling me he, he, and it. Can you imagine this happening? Him, he, and it. Him, he, and it. I was like, what in the Michael Jackson is going on over there? Uh, Not to make light of this situation because this is terrible. And like I said, another just blatant transphobia. I just, I, I... I don't get it. I sincerely don't. Well, the current Marshall's House director, Jacqueline Luna, who has worked at the shelter since 2017, says she believes residents are supported in ways that are uh, culturally competent and sensitive and, and that she has not heard any reports of guards I don't believe that. in sexual misconduct. I do not believe that. I don't believe that. Yeah, she went on to say that she has not seen real violence occur in Marsha's house, though police records show that police were called to the shelter more than 225 times between February 2017 and September 2021. That's about once a week. At least five of those calls included reports of felony assault. So Jacqueline Luna is a liar, allegedly. Yeah, um, and clearly. that's clear. Clearly, just in the data alone. All right, real quick, we have to talk about the the Queen Elizabeth. You know, obviously she canceled her planned virtual engagement as she continues to suffer from mild COVID-19 uh, symptoms. The palace announced it on Sunday that the 95-year-old monarch had contracted the virus. Um, saying in a statement, as her um, as her Majesty is still experiencing mild cold-like symptoms, she has decided not to undertake her planned virtual engagements today and will continue with light duties. A source close to the palace told CNN that the Queen's further engagements over the coming week will be decided upon nearer the time. That is your uh, top of the hour. Let's head over to the T-Report. What's going on? Child, Rosie O'Donnell has to, well, she just apologized to Priyanka Chopra for accidentally assuming that Deepak Chopra was Priyanka's father. (laughs) Now, if you're familiar with the Oprah Winfrey show, that's how I was introduced to Deepak Chopra, the thought leader. That is hilarious. And I believe he wrote The Seat of the Soul. That's actually really cringy. Yeah, so the 59-year-old actress O'Donnell took to TikTok on Sunday to explain how, how she embarrassed herself in front of Priyanka and Priyanka's husband, Nick. Jonas. Now, this happened at uh, Nobu Malibu. She said that when she greeted Nick, she said, you know, hey, you were great in Kingdom. When she greeted Priyanka, she said, hey, I know your dad. And Priyanka says, you do? Who's my dad? And Rosie said, Deepak. And Priyanka said, 
No, Chopra is a common last name. And of course, rightfully so, O'Donnell felt embarrassed. Now, she's also getting dragged because in her, and I love Rosie, but come Why on now. she ever but, even put this on TikTok? I would have kept that story to hello? the grave. But listen, she's getting dragged even more, Ryan, because and on her TikTok video, she, her apology goes, Nick Jonas, I apologize. And to the Chopra wife, I apologize too. The Chopra wife? That's what she said. And so people are like, uh, what? her name is pre- like, why would she choose that that wording? Rosie, what is going on? I like you. What is going on, she Rosie? She must have took like a Viking because you know that stuff makes you racist. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't an ambient. I don't know what it, it was. It was ambient. I thought it's, the it's drug some drug that white. white women take at the Remember age Roseanne's of outburst? But and nevertheless, major that is very embarrassing. And it happens to people of color. All day, every day, typically, at the hands of a lot of people who are not of color. It's true. That's the T-Report for this hour, though. It's very true. (laughs) It is Ambien. The Ambien's the racist drugs. Roseanne. Steer clear. clear. Valerie Jarrett and Roseanne. (laughs) Never forget. Never forget. Oh, my God. Let's keep this party going. Let's talk uh, Drag Race coming up because one queen had a... Oh my God, such a revealing moment um, that we really have to dive into. Um, I mean, was this good for the show? Was this good for the trans community? Let's talk about it coming up next. All right. Oh my God, I forgot about this song. This is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> Didn't Rue perform this? Yes, she did on the uh, premiere episode. But okay, yeah, you know I what that, that means? All Toots, No Boots. It's episode seven of Drag Race aired. And what an emotional ride full of fart jokes and tearful review, uh, reveals. Uh, back with us again is, uh, to recap everything is Tony Moore, our pop culture and drag race expert. Welcome back to the show. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? Not y'all taking the day off yesterday. Yeah, girl. <laughs> I, I need some rest. Are you kidding me? It was, I it was President's Day. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, don't, I didn't celebrate nobody's president, but I, I most I definitely took right. a moment for myself. <laughs> now, <laughs> let's dive into this because another acting challenge all before the Snatch Game. Are we shocked that we're getting this? You know, there was a season, I believe it was season seven, where it was like an acting challenge after an acting challenge after an acting challenge. And I'm just glad this go-round, these girls are talented enough to pull it off because, honey, anytime they announce an acting challenge, I bite my nails and I look away from the TV and pray that these (laughs) girls can, you know, get through it. Like, please have taken an improv class before you got here. Yeah, because you know all the components that have to come into play when it comes to RuPaul's Drag Race. It's so much more than the workroom. No, it's so much more. And that's the thing. Like, the girls, I feel like they they just come in and they're, like, you know, forgetting that they have to know how to sew. They have to low-key know how to act. Mm -hmm. They have to know how to really, you know, not just think about their television persona. They have to think about the full picture here. And a lot of times that's just lost on them. But um, I think we we should really... Um, go back a little bit because Diabetti is really harping on George's win. Um, are we over Dia? What do you think about this? Do you think she's like has a point or what? No, Diabetti was just turning into bitter Betty, to be honest. Like, I think she just, she needed some sort of validation. She needed to know that her work was valid. And that's what we were getting. That's why she was whining and complaining, because she's been safe this whole time, so she hasn't heard, like, okay, what can I do to improve, which is what she wanted. It's like, girl, just wait. And, like, you know, obviously you're you're doing great because you're still in the competition. Just keep it moving. But... She was just complaining so much. I was like, oh, bitter Betty. Like, let's let's let this go and move on to the next challenge. Yeah, it's kind of awful, though, like, that she she was even really doing that. Because it's like, 
I don't know if, when people understand that when you're like just complaining like that, especially it's like it's already done. Like, what are you complaining yeah. about at this point? Rue already gave her her win. It, nothing's going to change because you are going to complain even more. Like, it's just going to make you look bad. Exactly. And don't don't complain so much and act like you did so much and that the person who won did so little. Because, baby, let me tell you, um, simple will always win. You can do everything up in, in the box and pull out your hats or tricks and everything like that. But simple and consistent will always get you through. If you're just not tuning in, we are talking to pop culture and drag race expert Tony Moore. We sure are. Now, listen, I am a few episodes behind on Drag Race. I am not ashamed to admit that. Yeah, she always watches it after the season comes on. I do. I, I Well, because I'm not a fan of competition shows. I yeah. like the reunions and, and things yeah. like that, even though I did watch the premiere. I got to watch and the... it takes ter- you back to your Project Runway days. It, it triggered, <laughs> triggered hours on hours on hours of runway. But I do need to catch up with the Taraji and then the T.S. Madison episode. Now, are we just annoyed about the fact that RuPaul just keeps saving everyone? Please! It's, you know what? At the end of the day, they're making TV. So they're building up to something. Like, the fact that there were no bottoms and there was nothing but tops in this episode, no, which, mind bottoms. you, is, is like, that's unheard of to go anywhere <laughs> and there not be a bottom. But um, but that was unheard of. But that had to happen at some point because Cornbread had to exit, like, early in it. the competition. Yeah. Me too, because I love Cornbread, and Cornbread probably was on the track to win. But that messed up the because they kept going with the elimination so at some point you know they're still creating tv during this competition so i guess you gotta build up to something are they still doing the uh the willy wonka aspect with the elimination they They, didn't do it this go around because no one went home okay no no one went no one went home but yeah but the but the willy wonka golden ticket is still in play it's so somebody got it it's falling flat for me every time but super quickly because we're actually going to have more of an in-depth conversation coming up about jasmine kennedy but what were your thoughts uh uh, you know, she took a huge step in Untucked and she, you know, came out as a trans woman. You know, she was experiencing that in real time at that moment. What are your what yeah. are your thoughts? And um, what? Yeah. I mean, big moment, right? It is a big moment. And, and I commend anyone who is able to look inside themselves and realize who they are and express that to other people mm-hmm. in hopes that they receive love and respect um, for doing that, because it's a journey for all of us, no matter if you're the LGBTQIA plus elemental P, like it, it takes a lot to really look inside yourself and find yourself and be comfortable with yourself and then allow others to know about that. So I commend her wholeheartedly for doing that. Yeah. And you're having a watch party tonight, right? For what? Drag Race UK versus the world? Yes, we are. Um, over at Mickey's in West Hollywood, we are having a viewing party of UK versus the world. And Jimbo from uh, Canada's Drag Race and UK versus the world will be hosting. Um, and we also do a viewing wow. party for, for RuPaul's Drag Race season 14 every Friday. I don't know if I was supposed to have plugged that or not, but thank you so much, Channel Q, for giving me that moment. Oh, of course. <laughs> you can always plug anything you want. Um, that's going to be spicy with Jimbo. I know he's been having some spicy talk over on like Gay Times, and he was like, drag the judges and everything for their decision but um that, oh, yes. we, we got more drag race conversation coming up thank you so much tony moore for thank you joining us okay so coming up let's talk about jasmine kennedy because yes this was a huge step that she took um when kind of realizing who what her like her trans yeah, stepping into her, into her truth but really how does this impact the trans community and it happening in such a huge moment on a really big tv show let's have this nuanced conversation coming up next 
So we just finished our recap of uh, Drag Race Episode 7. And now we got to have a really a real interesting conversation about the moment that took place. Because in Untucked, um, basically RuPaul's Drag Race contestants Bosco and Jasmine Kennedy both opened up about their gender journey. Um, it all happened in one scene where one of the other queens, Deja uh, Sky, asked the group, had any considered transitioning? And Bosco, who came out as trans on Twitter earlier this month, responded that, you know, they've thought about transitioning, especially during the pandemic. And um, they said, Bosco is something that I used to feel like a lot of gender euphoria, and I had to go an entire year without her, and that it impacted. And in tears, Jasmine Kennedy actually opened up, and here is that. Uh, we don't have it. Oh, we got the Bosco one? Dang, I really wanted the Jasmine Kitty one. It's fine. Let's play Bosco. Bosco's really good, too. Has anyone ever thought about transitioning? I've definitely thought about transitioning, um, especially, like, during the pandemic. Like, Bosco's something that I use to, like, feel a lot of gender euphoria. And, like, I had to go an entire year without her. I work in customer service, so I'm spending my entire day being, like, he-hemmed, X, Y, and Z, and like, it's not out of hate. It's just cause like, they've known me for five seconds. So like, without Bosco living that life, like I absolutely thought about like, do I, I, do I want to transition? Right. And I've kind of come to the point where like, I'm happy being non-binary, but I do want to move the lever over a little bit. Okay. And you know, it, I think it's really beautiful that Untug has reached this level where we're seeing these uh, these important conversations about gender identity happening in, in such a big way. Um, but also, I do think it brings up a very nuanced conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Is where we're seeing a lot of uh, trans conversations happening or gender identity conversations happening. Is Drag Race the place to have it and for people to really learn about the experiences and the nuances that come with being trans, on especially on such a huge place? platform right mm-hmm. um so what are your thoughts about this as i know you haven't seen this episode but you've heard about the clips and everything yeah. and you've seen the statement from jasmine and all that so here's the thing i see kind of both sides of this part of me is well most of me is of course celebrating anyone who steps into their identity however yeah. i think having these conversations on a platform like drag race which we should admit that drag race has moved from logo to vh1 which then get garners a different audience and one could argue a more broader audience oh, for right sure. it, it most definitely got bigger and so once it moved. there's a conflation a dangerous conflation i think that can happen with uh with some of these conversations happening on Drag Race, considering that drag is an art form, it's revol- it centers performance and essentially dress up. You know, we see part of the dichotomy of Drag Race is we see men in confessionals and yeah. then, you know, women on the catwalk and in the workroom and right. getting ready and things right. like that. And so to me, it can kind of muddy the waters, especially when drag is essentially, like I said, you're showing your peacock feathers, you dressing up yeah. um, and transness is not that. Transness yeah. is not a costume. Transness is not a lip sync. Transness worried, is not. You're worried that the practice of drag is getting conflated with. Yeah, trans, it can be. With trans. It can be, yeah. and that's not to say that trans women, trans people cannot be drag performers. Right. But I think due to you know reality TV and how things are produced and how things are edited, sometimes the nuances of that can be stripped away, and it looks very black and white, and that conflation can be dangerous. So we have a clip of Jasmine in the in the midst of her. Um, you know, her moment, the very emotional ride. Here's that. Coming here, I was scared and I didn't want to have to go through that process while going through this. But like, seeing Carrie, 
seeing how confident she is and who she is. It just like further like affirmed like what I've been feeling my whole life. Like I as well, like I definitely do like feel that like I am <laughs> I mean the chills coming from that moment, watching that in real time, it was a very emotional ride and, and Carrie is another contestant who before when the season uh, season fourteen dropped, we were celebrating how we saw two openly trans women, Cornbread I was and here that Carrie, day. Uh-huh. you know, being highlighted on this season. And now we're seeing there's way, way more, more trans yeah. women on this season and we're seeing that Carrie Colby actually had a role in the uh, the affirming process, like possibility for, model. Yeah, the the affirming process for Jasmine. And I, I don't want to take away from, like I said, everyone. This is very important, and I love that. So the the truth of the matter is, some girls find their womanhood through drag. Yeah, you know, there's a yeah. running joke intercommunally that I'll say on the air is that <laughs> right. Every Halloween, a new doll is born. That's Because the girls get up in and they never get up out. Yeah. But I don't want people to think, because the, the reality of transness is that there's two sides to every coin. And I don't want transness, trans womanhood to be uh, reduced or minimalized to false lashes, heels, dress yeah. up, glam, and a curling iron. Because it's so much like there's health care, there's housing, yeah. there is equity, there is employment. There's so much more on the line that's on the other side of that yeah. that's really not discussed or glamorized and so I don't want the conversation to be lost in the sauce of the pageantry of it yeah. because that is not what trans is. And I think is. that's important. I really, really think that's important to highlight because oftentimes when you, you're you seeing this all played out on TV, you're only getting that story and people aren't going further to mm-hmm. understand It's all about nuances. being fabulous. Yeah, and so to have that type of, you know, understanding really paints a, a, a bigger um, more beautiful picture to the experience and and seeing like yes this should be celebrated but let's also be able to walk and chew gum yeah you know and yeah. so I, I love that we were able to wrap up our, our Ru, uh, RuPaul Drag Race every Monday today we did it because we were out yesterday uh, but every Monday we're always doing our recap so stick around for that of course and coming up a skier in the Olympics froze his penis oh my god that's all I gotta say just find out more coming up next <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about this terrifying story coming out of the Winter Olympics. Um, terrifying is subjective. No, this is terrifying. To, if you, like, depending I, on who you talk to. That's go true. Ahead. Depending on who you're talking to. But for me and my business, yes. I am terrified that the fact that I can go to a wintry place and this could happen. Because I don't know. It seems like Elsa has is freezing other things. <laughs> and uh, she decided to freeze this it, Olympian's it kinda, penis. It kind of changed... <laughs> Pause for dramatic pause. My joke was going to say it was going to kind of change the redefine, let it go. <laughs> Speaking of Elsa. <laughs> I want to squeeze that oh, one in there. God. Okay. So this skier, right? Remy Lindholm. Or you, you said it's pronounced differently, but I'm country. So go I'm ahead. Like, right. Yes. He suffered a nightmare injury while competing in the Winter Olympics. So apparently his penis froze during the men's 50-kilometer um, cross-country skiing event. I don't even know what that means. Okay, so now, although the course was shortened um, due to strong winds and adverse conditions that didn't seem to help him, um, basically, he told um, the media, he said, you can guess which body part was a little bit frozen when I finished. It was one of the worst competitions I've been in, and it was just about battling through now, it. Now, I must know, we should note that this, it was shortened, but he still was on this course for an hour and 16 minutes. Right. But I do wonder how 
something like this happens. I imagine if you're participating in the Winter Olympics, you you have thermals on of some sort. Well, my sort. thing is, I need some clarification. I need you to I need you to talk about what is frozen in this context. Like, is it in the sense of like you just couldn't feel anything, or is it literally blocks of ice coming from the tip? Oh, stop, Ryan. Well, I'm just saying, you know, because he says he suffered this injury before when he left November's Ruka World Cup with a frozen saint, is what the Sun reported it. <laughs> Um, is that British slang? I, I mean, I guess. Uh, that but gives a whole new meaning to when said, the saints come marching in. Des- <laughs> Despite a heat bag coming to the rescue after the race, he has expressed concerns about his ability to have kids oh in the future. Oh, my dear God. This is intense. Like, what is going what on was, here? What was the temperature? That's what I'm saying. What was the temperature? Is it really that cold to, like, not be able to, like... I'd imagine you'd lose a tooth before you lose that. I mean, oh my God. You know, because your mouth is exposed, it's wet. If it's that cold, and we know that blood runs all throughout our body, why is that? Why would that be affected and not like and a toe? How do you not prepare for that? Like, you know, this is your what you trained for. You know you're going to be in cold, wintry conditions. And if conditions. it's happened before. Yes, you. so you know. So why not have, like, a heat lamp plugged up? I don't know. Pretty so, suggesting why. Yeah, so if I'm just showing you photos of him competing at the Winter Olympics. I mean, they, what they wear is, like, a, essentially just, like, a tracksuit, like, a just very thin type of clothing just to be as aerodynamic as possible. So, But why didn't he lose his nose? His whole face is exposed that's except true. for his eyes and he's wearing a hat you know that's a great question and i don't have why the didn't he lose an ear so um, i just feel like you know what mr lindham proof I, or nothing at all not proof <laughs> are you asking to see mr lindham's penis no i just feel like this may be a bit over sensationalized oh, yeah, he might be just he might have just said it in like a sarcastic he might way. be pulling our leg but so I, to honestly speak. now i'm thinking about it i want damn proof too Give me proof or give me nothing. Take a listen. Last night I was watching Jimmy Fallon. Take a listen to what he had to say about all of this. People could tell something was wrong when he was he was doing a handstand under the hand dryers in the men's room. You go, oh my, thank God he's an Olympian because I wouldn't have the hand strength. I feel for the guy though. He's trained for years and now that's what comes up when you Google him. You know what I'm saying? He went back to the locker room, took off his uniform and heard. All right, here we go. Oh, clean that up. part that got me and I want to emphasize we're, we're not laughing at Mr. Lindholm's pain I am no I'm Ryan at it. <laughs> no no I'm this is something funny if he want, he didn't have to tell us about his frozen penis he could have took that right onto the grave like Jimmy Fallon's it's a nightmare to have that be your top Google hit <laughs> I'd imagine I'd imagine I hope it recovers oh I do too he's only 24 he has so much life he's to only live. 24 yeah he has so much life to in live in the picture producer Justin showed he looked 44 what <laughs> Says his penis as well. <laughs> okay, it's my favorite time of the show. It's time for the what? Yes, queen. Thank you, Ryan. You're so good at that. So uh, we have a very special yes, queen that we're doing. And it's actually, shout out to our, our listeners in Palm Springs, right? Um, there is actually this wonderful thing. So come be a part of the BNP Paraba Open. It's uh, join us from March 7th through the uh, 20th. Guess what, honey? If you are looking for a job and you love tennis, this might be where you need to be. Mm. They're hiring servers, dishwashers, food runners, cooks, and prep cooks. So um, the really cool thing here is they have competitive wages, an exciting atmosphere, um, and referral bonuses. So I wonder if I'll get a bonus if I'm referring you all. I gotta, I gotta ask my team. Yeah, you better inquire upon <laughs> that. Um, so if you want to apply, guess what? They have walk-in hours 
from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday until March 4th at um, 78 to 200 miles Ave Indian Wells. Um, yeah, honestly, this is actually really cool. If you want to know more about this, visit uh, compassgroupcareers.com and search for Indian Wells, and you'll find out everything you need to know. I, I've honestly really wanting to go to like a, a tennis game here. It looks like huge and really big. And if you if you're looking for a job, we're always here for you during our yes queen. Shout out for working. You mm-hmm. know what did I say? Yes, queen. Thank you. I would you love if I was a twin? Oh, God, no, please. Wow, rude. Um, I don't deserve that. Well, that's your show. That was your show. Uh, Stick around because, honestly, Love uh, Love Line is coming up right after this. Thank you so much to Sharjassel for being here. Yes, can't wait to come back and do it all again tomorrow. Yes, 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 you will be back tomorrow. So, honey, get into it. We got lots more to talk about. We'll probably have more to talk about in the Ukraine area. Get into that. And, of course, all the LGBTQ plus news that you need to know about. Remember to slay and have a wonderful day. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 